It's nice to see you today. In Psalm 109, verse 22 and 23, it says, My heart is wounded within me. I fade away like an evening shadow. I sense that that's something that people feel. I think people need encouragement. We need a lot of encouragement. So I'm starting a series on how to handle life's hurts. Because life is tough. It's not all fun and games. We go through some hard times. We need encouragement. We have problems. We have difficulties. Jesus warned us that in this world, you're going to have tribulations. You can put your faith in God, but it doesn't mean that you don't have problems in life. You know, life still hits you. Life doesn't hit you less because you have faith in God. Your faith just helps you to get through it easier. But it still hits you the same. So, what are the ways that we hurt? In your notes, you can fill them in the blanks. We hurt physically. You know, bruises and getting banged up. And, you know, some people are in constant pain. I know people that tell me that they have a back pain and it never goes away. They sometimes have to take some medication just to get it through the day because they're constantly in pain. That's not a laughing matter. That's, you know, really a tough way to have to live. But people go through that. Then we get hurt emotionally. That's the fear, the worry, the anger, the guilt, the grief, the depression that we go through. And there's lots of people here that struggle with those things, different things, that are emotional hurts. Sometimes we hide them. Sometimes we have this emotional hurt nobody else knows. It's buried within us. But it still bothers us. It's something that, we're still in, that we still deal with personally. And then we, have, we hurt relationally. I think this is one of the most difficult ones, is we're hurt by other people. There's things that other people do that cause pain in our lives, sometimes by accident, sometimes on purpose. When someone purposely hurts you, at least for me, I try not to take that so much different than any other pain, because I start thinking about it. Everybody in this room has hurt people accidentally, but everybody in this room has hurt people on purpose before. So I used to think like, but they did it on purpose. It wasn't an accident. Then I started thinking, everybody has hurt somebody on purpose. I can't think of anybody that's gone without ever hurting anybody on purpose. Usually we don't want that to be what we're characterized as. I hope that's something very rare in your life. But we get hurt by accident. We get hurt on purpose. There's things that people do to us that hurt us because of a misunderstanding We get hurt because of a conflict. We might feel hurt because of the loneliness that we feel or some sort of rejection or being uh, criticized in a negative way. That can cause hurt in people's lives. Even if the criticism's good criticism, it still might cause you hurt. There's a lot of ways that we feel hurt from other people. When you think about hurt and those type of pains, And if you were to pick a book in the Bible that talks about hurt, it would be Psalms. Because Psalms talks about every emotion you can imagine. It's in there. When I was going through the hardest time in my life, the one book I could read was Psalms. I would read the rest of the Bible, and I couldn't concentrate on what I was reading. But when I read Psalms, it was ministering to my heart. If you're in pain, read Psalms. It's a great book to read. In Psalm 34, 18, it says... The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You're never closer to God than when you're in pain, when you're hurting. 
The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. It's funny. That's when I feel like God's a million miles away. There's something about being hurt that's like, God, where are you? Why aren't you rescuing me from this feeling of hurt? And then you read scripture, and you find out the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. When you're going through that type of pain, he's with you. And you feel it the least, but he's with you the most. I want to look at six remedies for hurt that don't work. I want to go through these because these are the habits that we tend to go to. And my hope is that you realize, never again, this does not work. And then I want to come into what does help. So you're going to go through pain. Number one, don't ignore it. Don't ignore your hurt. I'll suffer in silence. I'll just act like nothing happened. That's never going to make things better. In Psalm 39, 2 and 3, it says, I kept quiet, not saying a word, but my suffering only grew worse, and I was overcome with anxiety. And that's what happens. You know, I'm just going to ignore it and act like nothing's going on. And what happens? Things get worse rather than better. Ask yourself, what am I pretending not to know? What hurt am I trying to just ignore, thinking if I ignore it, everything will be okay? I know people that are ignoring the idea that their children are using drugs. They are. Everybody knows. And they're pretending not to know. And as long as they ignore it, I guarantee you it's going to get worse, not better. I see it all the time because I work with kids a lot. Some people have had an affair in their marriage and they're pretending to ignore it. They're not dealing with it. And it's still affecting their marriage. It's making things worse. You know, some... Their marriage is dying, and you can see it's dying, but they're pretending like everything's okay, and that's not going to make it better. Some people at work, they're pretending like things are good at work, but they're going to lose their job. If they don't turn, if they don't get it, if they don't turn things around, they're going to lose their job, but they're acting like and pretending like everything's okay. Like, if I ignore that I'm not really accomplishing what I'm supposed to, maybe it will go away. Maybe if I ignore it, the boss will. It doesn't work that way. But people do that. You see it. It's, it's, you can't believe it sometimes. We pretend. When you ignore the issues, when you ignore the problems, when you ignore the hurt, it only makes it worse. When you blow it, it's going to give you anxiety. And that anxiety builds the more you ignore it. It's not like it's going to get better. How can I tell that I'm ignoring something? If you're procrastinating on getting the help for it, you know, if you're procrastinating on getting help for the marriage, or if you're procrastinating on getting the surgery, or if you're uh, procrastinating on confront- confronting the mother in law, or whatever the situation is, if you're procrastinating on it, that's a sign that you're trying to ignore it. Why do we do that? Because we want to postpone the pain, because it's painful to confront people, for example. It's painful to confront that mother-in-law. Or it's painful to, you know, the fear of going to the doctor. It's painful. You know you need to take care of it. And the, and the truth is, if you don't, that minor problem can become a major problem. But we just don't want to deal with it. We want to deny and ignore this happening. It's like the saying, time heals. Well, you're never going to go to the doctor and they're going to say, oh, you have cancer, but don't worry, time heals. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. 
It doesn't work like that emotionally or in other ways. Time heals when you're working on the problem. If you let the doctor help you with a cancer, time can heal. But time doesn't heal. It's, it work, time heals in the process of working on it. But it's not automatic. And it's saying, that's why some people have gone through something 30 years ago, and they're still in pain emotionally today about what happened 30 years ago. Because time didn't heal them. But it could have if they were working on things that bring about healing. That's when time helps. You can work on the issues that bring about healing, and you're not going to be healed like that instantly. It's going to take some time, but you have to deal with the problems. You've got to work through it, and then you get better. Number two, here's another thing. Uh, King David is the one that wrote most of these psalms. So here's another thing that David said. Don't run from it. Don't run from it. David would say, I've learned not to run. I've tried that, trying to run from a problem instead of dealing with it. We get chicken-hearted, and we want to run. We want to escape. We want to retreat. You know, I just want to get out of there. Look at Psalm 55, 6, and 8. I wish I had wings like a dove. I'd fly away and find some rest. Have you ever been like, oh, I just wish I could just get out of here and not have to deal with this problem? I'd flee to some refugee from all this storm. Have you ever, ever felt like that? If you're a mother of preschoolers or have been, you've probably felt like that. <laughs> if I could just get out of here, just get a break, you know, have somebody come and take the kids for a month, it wears you out. Do you know by law, all doors in public buildings swing out because what do people do when they panic? They run. And you have to have the door so they can just open out. If they open in, you'll get jammed at the door and people won't get out and people could get harmed. There's many ways that we want to escape. There's many ways. People escape by taking drugs. We know people that do that. That's how they escape the problems. Or getting drunk. People try to escape the problems by having an affair. Or watching television. Or going on a vacation. Vacations are good, but it can also be a way to escape my problems. We're experts at escaping. But when you come back, the problem's still there. It's still there. And it hasn't gotten better. And sometimes when you get there, you wish afterwards, I wish I would have just dealt with it before I went on the vacation, and I could have actually enjoyed the vacation. I thought, oh, I'm just going to get away. I just, I just don't want to deal with this. But then you're on your vacation for two weeks, and you're miserable the whole time, because the whole time on your mind, you're just thinking, oh, when I get back, I have to deal with that problem. It doesn't help. It ruins what could have been a great time with your family, a great time to get away. We're experts at running, but it never helps the problem. And eventually you reach points in your life where you realize, I can't run. If I run, my life is going to be ruined. But that's pretty severe when you reach a point that it's gotten that bad. When I could have dealt with it earlier on, you don't want to wait until you're at the point where if I don't do something now, it's ruined. So running from your hurts, running from your problems, it never helps. It's not the solution. Number three, don't hide it. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to wear a mask. You know, it's a masquerade. I act like everything's okay. There are people you need to tell. You don't need to tell your problems to everybody. 
But there are some people that you need to open up to. You need help from people. And you need to have those trusted friends that you can come to. Here's what David said in Psalm 32, 3. There was a time when I wouldn't admit my sin, but dishonesty made me miserable and filled my days with frustration. When you have a sin that you're hiding, you never get better. It's when you have that friend that you can open up to and say, hey, here's a secret sin I'm struggling with. Now that you have support and help, you can get somewhere. AA says, when you admit that you have a problem, that's the beginning. As long as you don't admit that you have a problem, as long as you're hiding it, you don't get better. When I hide my feelings, it's, it's not going to get better. We do this. You see somebody and you notice like, hey, are you angry about something? And they say, no, no. But they are. They're angry. But there's something about us that says, it's bad somehow if I'm angry, so I have to deny my true feeling and say, no. Honey, did something happen? Are you hurt? No, everything's fine. No. And then they deny it instead of admitting it. What is it about our hurts that make us want to deny it and not just say, hey, I am hurt. When you said this, it hurt my feelings and dealing with it. But if I deny it, I hang on to it. Then later on, something happens and I hang on to that one. Soon I'm going to blow and I'm going to blast you with all these things I'm angry about. That Wait a minute. I asked you yesterday if everything was okay and you said fine. You know, but we, we save it up. There's something about us that thinks that somehow we're more spiritual if we don't feel hurt. Somehow we're more spiritual if we don't get angry. God gets angry. God feels hurt. You know, he, no one's going to be more spiritual than God. We become good at disguising our hurt. We can disguise our hurt by trying to wear nice clothes, drive a nice car, things like this. There's a lot of ways that we disguise our hurt and do things that we think are going to make us feel happier. We might be hurt by something in our past, and we're going to say, I'll show them. I'll show them. And somehow we think by success in the world, we've shown these people that hurt us that we're better than them. And they don't even know. They probably don't even keep up with what you're doing. And you're still hurt about it. It doesn't take away the hurt. You're still upset with them. Even though you had success, how much success do you need to take away the hurt? It's not going to work. It never works. Possessions never compensate for pain. A lot of people have everything that you can imagine, and they're still in pain. So things don't make it less painful. As a result, just like David said, I'm miserable. I'm frustrated. At this church... We're committed to openness and honesty, unconditional acceptance, because nobody's perfect. Nobody has it all together. We all have our flaws. I've always said, if you find the perfect church, don't join it, because once you join it, it won't be perfect anymore. <laughs> the only problem that we have in church is people. If we didn't have any people, we wouldn't have any problems. But it's we're imperfect people that work together. I have my flaws. You have your flaws. We love each other. We accept each other. We work together to help each other grow. We all have hurts. I have learned that. Everybody I know has hurts. 
I've never met a person that doesn't have any hurts. They might not be in the middle of it all the time, but everybody goes through painful stuff. And it helps to understand that other people are going through things. If a church environment is, I put on my mask and I'm okay, you're okay, but really on the inside you're hurting, it gives you that feeling like, like, man, they're so perfect over there and I'm just torn up inside. And you feel like, you know, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? But when people are honest, then all of a sudden you understand, like, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. You really see this as parenting. If you're parenting and you feel like you're having problems, you feel guilty, especially if you go to church and they put on the facade like all of them have it together. Then you feel like guilty. Man, I'm a bad parent. But when you really get a chance to see them in their homes with their kids, you know what you find out? Everybody has problems. Everybody has problems parenting. And then you feel like, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And you want to be in an environment where you understand, like, we're working on this together. We're, we're growing together. None of us are perfect. That's why we need God. That's why we need one another. You've heard me say, revealing my feelings is the beginning of healing. And James 5.16, it says, confess your faults to one another. It's the same thing. When you confess your faults, that's the beginning of healing. Revealing your feelings takes it out of the closet. It's no longer scary. Because I'm a pastor, now and then people come up to me and they'll say something to me like this. Jimmy, I've never said this to anybody before. And then they confess something to me. And you know what I think? This person's finally going to get healing. Because that's the beginning of healing is when they finally can confess it and talk to somebody about it. They've been bearing this sometimes for years. Not weeks or months, but sometimes for years they've been bearing this thing and it's been bothering them and it's been on their mind and they've been feeling guilty or regret or shame. And then they finally say something to me and I just say, oh, major breakthrough. I already know what's going to happen. This person is on their way to being healed after 20 years. Now, they could have dealt with that 20 years ago. <laughs> and then 20 years ago, they would have been healed and they would have had 20 years of peace instead of 20 years of misery on the inside. But it's, there's something about when they finally confess it, that's the beginning of letting it go. It's the most healthy thing that people can do. So they release it. Don't hide it. That never helps. Number four, we see from King David, don't worry about it. See, we love to stew and fret and spew and get uptight and be anxious and worry. You know, worry is an attempt to control something that I can't. If I can control it, there's no need to worry about it, right? Because I can get out there and do something about it. But worry is I'm trying to control things that are out of my ability to control, which what I need to be doing instead of worrying is praying and trusting God. I need to rely on God because I can't do anything about this. I can't assume the responsibility of God. It's something out of my control, so I'm going to try to control it. I can't. It's uncontrollable. Sometimes we, we try to control other people, and you can't. You can't control them. They're going to do what they do. You can influence them, but ultimately, they're going to do what they do. And you can't control people, and you can't be worried and stressed out about all that. It does, you can be worried and stressed out about it. It just doesn't help. To worry about something I can't change, it's useless. 
to worry about something I can change is useless because I can change it. Why not put my attention into changing it? But there's no place that worry is going to help your life. Look at Psalm 55.2. I am worn out by worries. That's what David found out. It just wears you out. Psalm 77.4. I am so worried I cannot speak. It's ruining his life. Worry is not helping him. Psalms 37.8. Don't give in to worry or anger. It only leads to trouble. He's learned. He's learned. It's, 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 it just leads to trouble. It doesn't make your life better. Worry is like a rocking chair. There's a lot of movement, but at the end, you got nowhere. You're still in the exact same spot when you stopped. No progress. Just a lot of movement. Getting nowhere. We don't want that. It doesn't solve anything. It doesn't make anything better. Don't worry about your problems. Work on the problems. Pray about your problems. Pray about them. Work on your problems. But worry isn't going to help you. If you prayed as much as you worried, your problems would probably be less anyway. When you worry about something, it increases the problem. Because worry is a form of meditation. You know, meditation is you concentrating on something positive over and over and over again. That's meditation. Worry is you're concentrating on something negative over and over. So you're meditating on the wrong thing. It's a form of meditation that brings you down instead of lifting you up. Someone criticizes you, and then you're thinking about that over and over and over in your head. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger with time. It doesn't get smaller. Now you've blown it out of proportion. And now you're way angrier about it than what you ever should have been. You're way more hurt because you're rehearsing it. You always have two options. You can rehearse those feelings or you can release those feelings. You can rehearse them over and over in your mind. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Or you can release it. Let it go. I'm just going to let that go. It's no big deal. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to move on. Then number five, don't resent your hurt. David also discovered resentment doesn't work. And that's one of the things we want to do. We, we will hold in resentment. In Psalm 73, 21 and 22, when my thoughts were bitter and my feelings were hurt, I did not understand you. We don't understand God when resentment comes in because we're being the opposite of God. We're becoming the opposite of God. What does God teach? Forgiveness. Resentment's the opposite of forgiveness. It's hanging on to it. It's hanging on to that bitterness. I don't understand God. When I have resentment, I don't understand God. I'm thinking in the complete opposite way. It clouds your mind. When you have resentment, you tend to react in ways without thinking. You're more apt to do something out of rage that you're going to regret later on, out of resentment, out of bitterness. When you get resentment out of your life, you'll think better, you'll think clearer, and, there's a, and it will change the decisions that you make. There's one thing more harmful than any hurt that you'd have, and that's hanging on to the hurt and allowing it to develop into resentment. It's one thing to be hurt. You're going to get hurt. Life is filled with hurts. There's no way not to get hurt. But resentment will come if you can't let it go. People are going to hurt you, and you just let it go. If you become resentful, it's like a poison as you hang on to it. And it's poisoning you. 
we think somehow if I'm angry at them and I hang on to it, somehow it's getting back at them. It doesn't affect them at all. It's just making me angry. It's just ruining my day. It's just ruining the way I feel. I could have had a happy day, but I, could, but I was so angry about what they did. I hung on to that and my thoughts all day long, and it ruined my day. That person ruined my day. They did not ruin your day. You ruined your day because you chose to hang on to this bitterness instead of letting it go and forgiving and moving on. The past can no longer hurt you unless you let it. It's up to you. We can choose to let go of resentment and let these things go. Now, I know when you've been hurt severely, as you choose to forgive and let it go, it takes time. You know how I said time heals when you're working on it. It takes time. And how that process goes like this. You feel the pain and the hurt. You pray and you forgive that person. And then you go on. It's like getting installments. On a, you buy a car, and you don't think about the bill until you get it in the mail. That's the pain. The pain just arrived again. You write the check, and you send it off, and then you don't think about it anymore. But that pain's coming back, and you get it next month. But within time, the amount that you owe, the overall pain that you're going to deal with, is getting less and less and less and less. And there's a certain time that eventually... You'll never think about that again because you never have another payment. And that's how hurt works. You you've, remember what they do? You forgive them. That's like making the check. I've got to forgive them for what they did. Then you let it go and you don't think about it, but it comes back later. And then you forgive them again. Remember how Jesus said for how many times they asked Jesus, how, how many times do we need to forgive? Seven times. They thought if I forgive somebody seven times, that's good. And he said, no, seven times 70, which he was just saying over and over and over. Just never stop forgiving. So then it comes back, I need to forgive him again. Then it comes back, I need to forgive him again. Because it never works where someone does, unless it's a minor thing. If it's a major event, it never works where you forgive him one time and you never, and wow, yeah, I forgave him yesterday. I'm glad I'll never have to think about that again. It doesn't work like that. It never works that way. It's an ongoing process. But within time, because you're dealing with the hurt, Time heals. And soon you never think about it again. But if you start thinking about it, it's because you're, you've stopped forgiving them. So every time you think about it, forgive them and move on. Then it comes back up. Forgive them and move on. When you're in the midst of the pain, it might be hourly that you're praying and forgiving. Depending on how deep the pain is, then it might be daily. Then it might be about once a week that it comes into your mind. And then it might be about once a month. And then even later when you think you're 100% healed, and like you think you're 100% healed, it's been two years that you haven't even had bitter feelings, you see some, a situation or something on TV or something that sparks it, and all that hurt comes back, and then you forgive them again. Like, oh, I thought I, thought I already paid this bill. But you realize, I guess I hadn't 100% gotten it out yet. That's how it really works in real life. You don't forgive the person and never think about it again. God can forgive and forget. Unfortunately, we can't. That's why we have to work on it. In marriage, you can fix the blame or you can fix the problem, but you can't do both. You're either going to fix the blame or you're going to fix the problem. What's my goal? If I want the problem fixed, my wife and I, we need to work on the problem. 
If I want to fix the blame, we can attack each other, and I guarantee you the problem gets worse, not better. Have you ever gone to marriage counseling before, and afterwards you're more angry at each other than you were before you ever went? Because if a marriage counselor isn't effective at what they do, you'll be fixing the blame on one another and not fixing the problem. If a marriage counselor knows what they're doing, they can get you both on the problem and not attacking each other. So you're going to do one or the other, but you can't do both. It never works that way. Many people are allowing people in the past to still hurt them, something that your dad did or mom did, and you're not getting healing. Constant forgiveness. What happens is we try to do these other things. I have a hurt. I try running from it. I, that doesn't work. So I try hiding it. That doesn't work. I try ignoring it. That doesn't work. I try worrying about it. That doesn't work. I try resentment. That doesn't work. And then I say, well, nothing helps. Nothing works. So then we do number six, which is we want to throw in the towel. And I'm saying, don't give up. Don't give up. I tried those things and it didn't work. Now I want to give up. And God is saying, don't give up. I feel like Humpty Dumpty. Nothing can put me back together again. Have you ever felt like that? And God is saying, don't give up. Don't give up. Here's how David says it in Psalm 130. From the depths of my despair, I call to you, Lord. Hear my cry, Lord. Listen to my call for help. He didn't give up. He turned to God. He had hit bottom. He had hit bottom, and now he's turning to God. He didn't give up. He realized, I've got to turn this to God. From the depth of my despair, that means he hit bottom. I call to you, Lord. Hear my cry, Lord. Listen to my call for help. He turned to God. It's not fun to be depressed. When you're depressed, God understands. When you're depressed, God loves you. But when you're depressed, God doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to move in a direction. I can remember when my first marriage failed, it devastated me. I felt so much despair. I felt like giving up. I can remember not even wanting to get out of bed in the morning. I remember those feelings like that. But I also remembered I knew God. And I knew the key is to get out of bed and do what I'm supposed to do. Don't stay in that situation. You start progressing. You go forward. You never give up. Even though inside, you feel like giving up. You force yourself to get up and do what you're supposed to do. You can't not go through feelings. But you get to control how you deal with those feelings. You can just you know, wallow in your hurt. Or you can do everything you can to pick yourself up and go forward. And go forward and keep walking and don't give up. Never stop working. Some people have so much hurt inside that any little thing that you do ticks them off. They've got so much pain about other people that you say something to them and you look at them in the wrong way and then they're all ticked off. You know, that's a sign that I haven't been working on my hurt. Why do people make me so easily offended? It's because I'm not working on my hurt. And it shows outwardly. Some people are like that too, but it's all inward. 
They never express it, but inside, whatever little thing people do, it's it's tearing them up. It's destroying them on the inside. What do you do? You don't ignore your problem. You don't run from your hurt. You don't hide it. You don't worry about it. You don't resent it. You don't give up. What does work? In Psalm 142, 2 and 3, it says, I bring God all my complaints. I tell him all my trouble. When I'm ready to give up, he knows what I should do. Instead of giving up, you give it over. You give it over to God. He's the one that can do something about it. I can't. When I'm ready to give up, whatever the situation is, when I want to throw in the towel, I bring my complaints to God. When you feel powerless to change, you bring it to God. Only God can heal your hurts. Nobody else can heal your hurts. Only God can. And the closer my relationship with God is, the easier it is to get through hurt. Why? Because God understands forgiveness. The closer I get to God and I understand how Jesus died on the cross and forgave us after we murdered him, basically, then I think if he has the power to forgive people for killing him, probably what I'm going through isn't that bad. And I learn how to forgive like he forgave. If he can let go of resentment and I'm close to him, he's going to teach me how to let go of resentment. The Bible says, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. That truth is Jesus Christ. When you know him, it sets you free. He gives you the power to forgive. He gives you the power to let it go and to move on. You can deal with it. But you're not going to find healing in anything else. God wants to heal you. He wants to teach you how to let it go. And you learn that from a relationship with him. I bring my complaints to God. He's the one that knows the answer. You're here this morning. You might think that you're here just by chance, but you're not. God brought you here. And one of the reasons why God brought you here is whether you're going through a deep pain now or not, he brought you here to say, don't give up. Because in life, life is long enough that you're going to hit points in your life that you feel like giving up. You might not be there today, but God is saying, don't give up. Don't give up. Turn to me. Give in. Give in to me, but don't give up. Tune in to me. One thing I've learned is that we're all hurting. We all need a Savior. We all need a power greater than ourselves. We all need God. You might be lonely. You might be worried. You might have regret. Maybe it's a fear or depression, some sort of relational hurt, a financial hurt, and you feel like, I'm going under. In this situation, I, I, I have no hope. I don't see how my finances can turn around. This depression I feel, I, don't, I have no hope. I don't see what the solution is. And you know what he's saying is, don't give up. Give in. Give in to me. Don't give up. We make it out worse than it could be. God is bigger than your problems. No matter how big they are, no matter what the worry is that you have, God is bigger. All it's going to do is, is ruin my future. All it's going to do is ruin my future. One of my favorite things to do, almost every vacation I pick has something to do with the ocean. Every vacation is somewhere to do, like, it could be Hawaii. It could be, you know, we'll go on a traveling trip, but we'll always hit an ocean spot. But there's something about the ocean that I love. And one thing I notice is when the tide goes out, it always comes back in. And maybe the tide's out in your life. And you feel like things are so bad. 
I've noticed the tide always comes back in. And I've seen this with people's lives. In life, things are going good, and then things don't seem so good for a while, and then things are going good, and then things don't seem so good for a while. And I've learned, you know what? Just hang in there because it's, things are going to change. Things constantly change. And you might feel like you're at the end. You might feel like there's no hope. And I'm telling you, there's always hope. Things are constantly changing. And the thing that you're so worried about today, a year from now, you might not even remember it existed. You might not even remember it. Because things are constantly changing. So God says, don't give up. Give your problems to me. Give in to me. With that, let's pray. Lord, we need your help. We need you in our life. We want you to be number one. We ask you to heal our hurts, to help us. We want to go your way. We want to give our hurts to you. Heal us so that we might offer that healing to others. Lord, I pray that you would heal marriages, that today would be a turning point, that they would get the help that they need. Lord, help us to look at you for the answers. We commit our life to you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.